This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, on tap 9.6 is coming, and so are some hardware updates. Chris Luth joins us to tell us all about it. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipok. Zipok. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the studio and we are here to talk about the latest in hardware advancements for ONTAP 9.6 release. So um, to do that, I brought in Mr. Hardware himself, Chris Luth. Hi, Chris. Well, hey, Justin. Thanks for having me again. Glad you were able to come on. I didn't have to, to drag you in here either. I mean, you just voluntarily came in. You were like, hey, I'll do it. It's fine. Hey, no, it's uh it's a treat to be able to get on here and talk about something we all love, NetApp, OnTap, running on hardware. There we go. So um, and it doesn't always, it's always going to run on hardware of some sort, but these are the hardware pieces that are the um, standard hardware that you're used to, like the AFF and the Fast Series, right? Correct, yes. All right, so let's dive right into it. Um, but actually, before we do that, uh, Chris, if we wanted to get in touch with you, how do we do that? Oh, well... It's an awkward spell last name, but it's also unique. But just drop me an email at C-L-U-E-T-H at NetApp.com. All right. So uh, without further ado, um, what, what's new? All right. So we, um, we're building on our, our success we had last year with the industry's first uh, end-to-end NVMe flash system. That was the AFF A800. Um, what we mean by end-to-end, um, you know, an I.O. Uh, packet never touches anything uh, except either flash or NVMe over fabric. In our case, NVMe over fiber channel. Um, so it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's the industry's trending towards NVMe. Uh, it's been a little bit slow ramp, but, you know, it's picking up momentum. There's been a lot of interest in NVMe connected flash uh, for some time. But now I think it's starting to, you know, uh, the, the, the business benefit of NVMe and the lower latency, higher. Basically, Justin, you get like 2x the IOPS um, at, at the same latency point as fiber channel protocol. So 2x increase in IOPS. So that folks are just, customers are just starting to get their arms around that. Wow, this, this is going to be a big benefit for my business. So what we did, we wanted to continue that success story, the 800 is a high-end system. So we wanted to start bringing NVMe connected flash down into lower-end systems. So in this case, our first step is going to be a new mid-range system, the AFF A320. Um, it also has a shelf that we're producing, so it's, it's not an integrated chassis. So there's no internal NVMe SSDs. It's a 2U form factor, uh, but there is a 2U external NVMe shelf. This will have the NVMe flash drives that, if you remember from the 800, uh, they had a blue drive carrier just to denote that they're different from SAS. So this will have that same looking NVMe SSD, uh, but but in an external shelf versus the 800. So this shelf, how is it connected? Are we using standard cables or are there new cables that go along with this? That's a great question. So we... Um, so with, with NVMe over fabric, um, basically what you're doing is remote direct memory access, RDMA. And to talk to the 
uh, back-end NS224 shelf in this catchy is a NVMe shelf is the NS part to you and 24 internal drives. But to talk with this shelf, what we implemented was uh, uh, NVMe over fabric, this time using Ethernet. So we're talking to the shelf uh, over the RDMA over converged Ethernet uh, protocol, uh, better known as Rocky. Um, and, and as a result, we added Rocky capabilities uh, for communications purposes. We're not going to support Rocky capabilities, host site access just yet, uh, but you can bet you and I will be talking about that uh, in a coming on tap release. Excellent. So you're talking Rocky for the shelves. Are we doing anything with the cluster network with Rocky, or is that possibly in another release as well? Well, you continue to ask very, very good questions. So what we did on this platform, when we engineer our own chassis, we generally handle HA connectivity between the NVRAM over the backbone, um, and we would have still have external cluster interconnect ports. What we did on the A320, well, it, it, if you remember, the A800 had two external HA ports and two external cluster interconnects. Uh, worked great, um, but nonetheless, with Rocky, we're able to consolidate. So all HA activity between NVRAM and all cluster interconnect traffic, we share the same port. So cut the number of ports between nodes or uh, uh, switches by half with that new approach. And the luxury, so the A320 has um, eight onboard 100 gig ports per node, Justin. A tremendous amount of bandwidth and for good measure, two slots. So an HA pair will give you 16 onboard 100 gig ports to connect up to the NS224, the shared port for HA and cluster interconnect. And then, for good measure, you'll have more 100 gig ports for host side access. Where we're going with this 100 gig capability, uh, we now have the bandwidth to combine activities on the same port. Uh, with 40 gig, it probably would have been a stretch. But with 100 gig, we have plenty of bandwidth to consolidate ports and, and minimize the number of connections you need node to node or node to switch. Okay. So, what sort of caveats do we have with the A320? I mean, what sort of additional details can you give us? Right now, we're coming in about 20% higher performance than the A300. Um, we do have one workload that's about 10% better performance, but keep in mind um, the A320 will release on ONTAP 9.6 GA release. So it's not going to be on the RC1 release. And what's happening behind the scenes is we're tuning because we, we want 20% plus across the board. So we're still doing some performance tuning, uh, but that's where we're at right now, better performance. Now, the thing to keep in mind is this isn't a upgrade system for an A300, or it's not intended as such. Um, and the reason is we don't support SAS-attached SSDs on the A320s. Pure uh, NVMe uh, uh, flash uh, using the NS224 shell, uh, but you wouldn't necessarily upgrade from an A300. You could, uh, but it would be vol move, not, not the you know extensive aggregate relocate approach to an upgrade. So what about things like uh, Metro Cluster over IP? We're not going to support Metro Cluster over IP at launch. So with the Ethernet-connected NS224 shell, it obviously lends itself to switch connectivity. To get the platform out on time, we decided to minimize the amount of work that QA had to do to test. And a couple of things that weren't uh, deemed high priority was uh, Metro Cluster over IP, but it is a, a requirement for the platform. Uh, so 
coming on tap release, we should have that capability. And then switch uh, connections to the NS224. In that case, you know, we're supporting either one or two direct connected NS224 shells at launch, uh, not switch connections. But obviously, you know, an Ethernet connected shelf lends itself to being uh, switch connected. So th those are some things we're not going to support at launch, but fully plan to implement uh, in a coming on tap release. Okay, sounds good. Sounds like we've got a lot of things planned for this particular mo uh, model here. Um, so, you know, we mentioned the shelf, the SSD shelf. Um, what drives do we have support for with that? These are NVMe SSDs. They're, they're really just a flash drive at the end of the day. It's just the way that you communicate with them isn't with that SCSI 3 command set. It's with the NVMe uh, command set that's optimized for flash. But the thing about the NVMe SSDs is truly wonderful to be able to do for our customers is they support self-encryption. And when we launched the 800 last May, um, the NVMe SSDs at that time didn't support uh, self-encryption. And we knew that the choices were either delay the 800 launch, well, that was not a great idea, or just roll them in uh, when it came online. Well, it turned out in March, uh, we completely transitioned all of the uh, NVMe SSDs on the 800 to be the self-encrypting uh, models. And the A320 with the NS224 shell will only support the self-encrypting drives. Now, there's some caveats there, Justin. Um, so on the 800, if you bought a system last year and you add some more SSDs internally, uh, the new ones are going to be self-encrypting capable. Uh, what kind of support headaches does that bring? None. You can mix the non-encrypting and encrypting, self-encrypting drives in the same HA pair, on the same node, in the same aggregate, or even in the same RAID group. So there's no, no support headaches, uh, you know, from mixing the two types. So the question comes up, what's different about a self-encrypting uh, NVMe SSD and our NetApp storage encryption drives, NSC? And the answer is they both use AES-256 level encryption. The difference is we certify our NSC drives to the National Institute of Standards and Technology, I think is it? Yes, this is easier to, to get out, but we certify that the NSC drives comply with uh, FIPS 140-2 uh, level two. We don't do that for the self-encrypting drive. Uh, a little more contrast, the NSC does cost more than a regular drive, while the SEDs will be the same exact cost. There's no cost premium that you uh, pay to have this capability. And then the final piece of the puzzle there, Justin, is in ONTAP 9.6, we released the ability to do authentication key locking. So you can take advantage of the SED capabilities on each drive. Uh, you can do that onboard, you can do that via server, uh, but nonetheless, that's rolling out, and I, who's not worried about security? If you can give a customer more peace of mind at night, it's a big win for everybody. So that's that's some of the excitement I have about where NVMe Flash is taking us. So SEDs, are, are they different from NSC drives? I mean, there's a difference there? Yes. NSC drives are uh, certified um, to comply with the NIST standard FIPS 140-2 Level 2. The SED drives use the same exact encryption, but 
they're not certified to comply with that NIST standard. So that's the difference. Okay, so what's the use case people would want to have for SEDs versus NSE? Uh, well, it, it comes down to, um, you know, what's the security requirements for the data uh, that will be stored on the drives? If, if you need FIPS 140-2 level 2, uh, the NSE drive is the way to go. Uh, if you just want encrypted drives, um, SED will work great. Um, but what if you don't want to use the SED capabilities, Justin? Then don't implement an authentication key. It'll work just like any other uh, shipping uh, SSD. Oh, okay. So um, The difference is the drive will encrypt data as it writes it, and it will decrypt it as you read it, but it won't do any checking to see if you really have access rights to that data. Right, so... NSCs are basically you buy them and they're encrypted. SEDs are optionally encrypted. You can turn it on or off. Basically, yes. Okay. That's that the way sense. to put it. Yep. Okay. And then, of course, you have volume level encryption if you want to add that on, and as well as aggregate level encryption new in ONTAP 9.6. So you got all sorts of options for encrypting your data at rest. Lots of peace of mind in there, yes. Okay. So um, what else is new in the hardware front? So... Um, besides the A320, uh, earlier I talked about you know, the Rocky RDMA over converged Ethernet. We actually added a couple of new adapters as well. So the 100 gig and 25 gig we released last year were what's better known as iWarp uh, type of RDMA capabilities over Ethernet. Um, the other approach will be Rocky. We tend to think Rocky is going to dominate the landscape. Um, you know, for NVMe over fabrics using Ethernet. Uh, so we have that capability now. The adapter is supported in the uh, A320, both the 25 gig and 100 gig Rocky adapters, um, and in the A800 system as well. That's a couple of new hardware options for you. And once again, we're not supporting Rocky connectivity to the host side just yet, uh, but planning to have that in the coming on tap release. So one update for, for you know folks out there is on the A220, when we launched, there wasn't a, we weren't getting a lot of feedback that we needed to support 10 gig base T ports on an AFF system. So we had uh, a limitation of just the UTA2, Unified Target Adapter Supports on the A220. Well, on the FAS2700 side, we supported both UTA2 and 10 gig base T. Well, fast forward to, you know, a year later where we're at today, um, we've had some PBRs for the 10 gig base D support on the A220. Um, we've actually approved some and sold some systems, uh, but we're going to make that generally available and audible in the June quote tool. So you'll be able to get an A220 with 10 gig base D uh, connectivity and kind of some of the justification, no pun intended, Justin, but some of the justification behind that when we launched the FAS2700, we've seen about 10%. Uh, we're sold with the 10 gig base T option. Now, a year later, that's trended up to 20%. So we just thought it was the right thing to do uh, to, to give more flexibility and picking the right system for a uh, given customer's need. The nice thing about 10 gig base T is, is a way to get high-speed Ethernet access on the cheap. Um, it, and what if you don't have 10 gig uh, uh, needs? One gig would work. So these will auto-wrench too. So they're pretty flexible, also cost-effective uh, ways to connect up, and especially in an entry-level space. In addition to that, we have a new interconnect switch as well. 
uh, I'll double down and say we have two new cluster interconnect switches, Justin. Ooh, tell me more. <laughs> the CN1610 was a wonderful switch for us. Um, very, very cost-effective. Um, did the job. Uh, you know, it's just, just wonderful to have that capability. But the one drawback that it had, it was 16 ports per switch. You would take four of those ports for your inner switch links or ISLs, and that left basically 12 ports for uh, connectivity. Now, that, that, that was not an issue till we came out with like the A700, the A700S that could connect them to a 10 gig switch, but uh, the, the default was 40 gig connectivity two per host, so 80, 80 gigabit of connectivity for a cluster interconnect on those two platforms. And you fan them out into 10 gig, and all of a sudden you're seeing 1610 didn't have any ports to uh, connect into. So one of the things we wanted to do with our new switch offering is have a much denser um, 10 gig uh, connectivity uh, option, uh, and we did that. We also wanted to bridge, you know, so 10 gigs predominant, you know, in our customer deployment, but there's a transition taking place to 40 gig and even 100 gigs. So we kind of wanted to give a customer's way to bridge 10 gig now, higher speed 40 gig. That's exactly what we did with uh, both switches. So the first one's going to be model BES 53248. It has 48 onboard 10 gig ports. At a later point, we'll also support 25 gig connectivity uh, on those 48 ports, and it has eight uh, 40 gig ports. Uh, so, get you that you know port density you need um, on the 10 gig side, but then the ability to start transitioning to higher speed access. Now, the way this switch works um, is the base configuration will include 16 of the 10 gig ports live and enabled uh, for use and two of the 40 gig ports. That's gonna be the base configuration. If you do need additional connectivity, uh, there's simply a license uh, that you would add, purchase and add to the systems, and it'll unlock more of those ports for you. The second switch, and one, one unique thing about the switch, uh, Broadcom's gonna actually handle support. So first, second, and third level support on the switch will go through Broadcom. Uh, if you call an NF for help, they're not going to hang up the phone. They'll, you know, get you started down the support path. Uh, so that's a little bit new feeling to the switch as well. Now, the other switch we're releasing is the Cisco Nexus switch, 92300YC as in Yankee Charlie. And it also has significant port density capabilities. Uh, in this case, even more than the previous switch that we talked about. So this will have 48. 10 gig ports, uh, but also 18 40 gig ports. A little dancer switch um, offering it is Cisco for customers who use Cisco switches, peace of mind. This is the one you want to go with. But that's kind of what we we're trying to solve more port density and a, the ability to transition from 10 gig to higher speed Ethernet. That's the switches. So, what about um, Metro Cluster? What we use? Metro cluster or fiber channel, we use something called an Addo bridge. And it looks like we have some new versions of that as well. Yeah, so, and that's, um, you know, it, it, it was a decision that was made for us. The previous Addo bridge, the 7500N, um, is EOA after May 10th. So 
you know, some final approach and won't be available. So to replace it, we're coming out with this 7600N and it's supported starting an OnTap 9.5 later. I should have qualified the two switches that we talked about earlier for cluster interconnect for 9.6. Um, so what's different about this new 7600N Atos bridge? Uh, pretty much uh, performance. It looks like performance is about twice of what the 7500N was. What we're seeing, so we're seeing 700,000-ish IOPS on the 7500N. We're seeing 1.2 million on the 7600N. Uh, more megabyte per second, double from 3100 to uh, 6,000 megabytes per second. And then the latency went down too. So it's just the march of technology and improvements in technology or the 7600N much faster way to implement Metro Cluster uh, uh, with your NetApp storage. I mean, who would want something that's faster? No, who would? You're right. Who would want that? <laughs> Sounds good. We got new platforms, new switches, new fiber bridges. Anything else? Yeah. So while you're on Metro Cluster, we're adding oh, support more. for Metro Cluster. <laughs> we're adding support for Metro Cluster uh, using IP on the A220 and FAS2700 series system. Oh, cool. Entry-level Metro Cluster then. So if you have a lower-end system, Entry-level Metro. that's right. You can leverage Metro Cluster over IP which in and of itself is kind of entry level because you don't have to buy all that expensive fiber channel stuff. Exactly. And, you know, while we'd love to take credit for this idea, we have to uh, give a shout out to our Metro Cluster uh, teams out there, partners and our, our sales and even customers that have wanted an entry level Metro Cluster solution. Uh, so it's coming soon. You know, tap 9 6. I don't know about you, but I'm going to take credit for it. It's all my idea. <laughs> Okay, you and I. There we go. We we came out with it just now. <laughs> we made it so. Chris, so if, uh, if people want to get in touch with you again, how do they do that? So, it's the uh, the awkward last name again. Uh, C is in Chris. Last name's Lou. L-U-E-T-H. And that's at deadup.com. All right. Thanks so much for joining us, Chris. Well, thanks for having me again. It's always a treat and look forward to inspiring the masses and uh, selling some new hardware with on time 96. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netup.com or send us a tweet at netup. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via techontappodcast.com. If you'd like to share today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Chris Luth for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.